This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. We have a very special guest today. Mr. Greg Zahn from Highland Capital. And we use them here at Florida Risk Partners because we're a PNC agency, but they help us with our life insurance needs. With all the stuff going on surrounding COVID right now, we know that a lot of you out there have your clients looking for solutions and you're looking for ways to make extra coin. That's exactly what Greg can do for you. Greg, thank you for coming on today. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and sort of how you got to where you're at today? Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, really appreciate you uh, giving me some time to chat with your listeners and uh, and you guys today. Um, so I am AVP of Multiline and Digital Sales at Highland, and that sounds kind of strange. Why am I talking on a property casualty webcast, and, and what are we talking about here? Um, and really, I'll, a lot of what we do at Highland um, will will make sense as to why I work both on our digital footprint as well as what we can do for uh, PNC and benefits organizations. Um, I've been in the industry for about 10 years, and um, I never once thought that life insurance was a path I was going to get to. And then um, I got into it and, and absolutely love it. Um, and I think the ability to help individuals find the right solution for their family and their needs and, and work with insurance professionals that may not traditionally do life insurance is an awesome thing to do every day. And so that's kind of what Highland does. Um, Highland's been around for, for quite some time. And our goal, whether it's on a large scale from a, a volume standpoint or on a high value case, is to provide solutions for business owners and insurance professionals and financial professionals to provide life insurance to their customers and their clients without them having to be specialists in doing so. And so a lot of the things that we do at Highland is, is aiding in those individuals in the financial or insurance space to provide insurance solutions uh, around a product that sometimes can be a little daunting, a little confusing. Um, and a little tough to bring to market. A little daunting and confusing is the understatement of the year, man. <laughs> I can tell you, like, I'm not a, I'm not an overly bright dude. So it's tough for me just to remember the stuff I have to remember to, you know, do property and casualty. But I can tell you that one of the things that really scared the living crap out of me is when I went and got my life and health license so that we could do exactly what you're talking about and, and offer solutions to our clients. I'll never forget it because I walked out of the testing center there at USF 
thinking to myself, holy cow, life insurance guys are all crooks, you know, because yeah. 75% of the questions were about screwing over old people. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally, it blew my mind. And I was thinking to myself, okay, if this is what the reputation is on the streets, and there's a real problem there because this is what the state is testing you on, then there's an opportunity there if you run a good shop to really differentiate yourself. And that's, you know, that's one of the reasons why we partnered with Highland, honestly, was to to be able to um, make that a streamlined process. Now, you said you've been in the industry for 10 years. You went to USF. Were you originally in life insurance coming out of school or? You know, I you... wasn't. I wasn't. So I, um, I did my grad work at USF and um, that was uh, early 2000s, came out and um, started actually working in a uh, a large residential building supply company back then, as you can imagine, that was a fun time to be in sales in that industry. Um, and then it wasn't a very good time to be in sales. In that <laughs> um, but it went it? from awesome to not awesome yeah. real quick. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, Oh, this is, this is real life. This is great. And then you realize what real life really is. And <laughs> it's, uh, sometimes can take a turn. And so um, being in the Florida market, um, it, it especially got hit hard. Um, the interesting thing that I learned about from, from that, uh, go round and and I started really in the insurance space from there just completely changed the game and went and got my insurance license and I came up in the industry smiling and dialing like the normal annoying potentially life insurance brokerage calls are here's your pitch for the week go make your 40 calls talk to 200 you know 200 minutes a day go get get after it um and that's where I started and uh you know both of those experiences really led me to understand that a lot of things in life insurance. One, selling um, a large, big ticket item, whether it was a, a custom door delivery or something back in the day when in my first life um, was great, but you got to live and die off of a lot of transactional business too. Um, and so you need to make sure in a commodity and commoditized market, you bring value um, regardless of what industry you're in. Uh, so that was huge coming out of the transition. And then second, I realized life insurance as you coming out of the test can sometimes be really tough for some people that a very well-heeled, well-positioned insurance agency may do everything great. And then talking about life insurance because it's so complex, because there's so many ins and outs and things, there's an easy way for people to get concerned about it. And I realized that, yeah, just because you have an insurance license, it may not be right to develop, to deliver life insurance to your customers if you're going to do it the wrong way. And for very good reason, uh, a lot of people in the property casualty and even benefit space don't do life insurance because they don't trust that they're going to do it the right way. And I think that's a good business decision. If you don't have a good partner that you can trust that's going to deliver the right solutions to your customers, then don't go into it just to chase money. Do it for the right reasons. Um, and so that that enlightened me as I was cutting my teeth, trying to figure out how to get somebody to sell through me. Um, and that's led me to the position I'm at today to really understand the other side of the table that says, well, you're leaving a lot on the table or don't you know that your customers need life insurance? Why aren't you giving it to them? There's valid answers to why they don't do it. Um, and uncovering those answers, working with them on their solutions to be able to provide that. That's really what I think Highlands prided ourselves on and, and why I'm very, very excited what we do uh, for the customers we work with. Yeah, I think it's interesting because, you know, it's not that life insurance itself is overly complex. It is to a certain degree, but, you know, I'm a big believer in go deep where you can go deep, you know, in, 
I think it's difficult for guys like me to go in and spend 45 minutes dissecting the experience mod of an organization and then immediately flip the next page and say, and by the way, now we're going to talk about some whole life and the difference between that and universal and why you might not want to consider term or whatever else. I mean, there's just, there's so many products surrounding it. And then you get into all of the variable things and investment related stuff. It's just, it's not something that I really think you should dabble in. And the example that I always use is, you know, when I was in a CIC Institute one time and the guy got up and he was talking about trucking insurance and he said, trucking is not something you dabble in. You either do trucking or you don't do trucking because there's so, and again, in and of itself, trucking insurance isn't complicated, but if it's not what you do every day, there's so many things that could lead you to missing something major. And then you, you know, if you're a PNC agent out there listening to us right now, and you're not talking to your clients about buy sell agreements and things like that, you are missing not only a revenue stream for yourself, you're missing a real risk management discussion around that business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Greg, you've been involved in a couple that I've worked on. You guys know this. Even when you identify it to a business owner, they still don't always see the light. Like they sure. just they just don't get it. How do you how do you bring that up to them, Dave? When when you're talking buy sell agreements with people, because it's it, it's not always just a very natural, you know, thing, right? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I I think that it's actually more natural early on in the relationship. So, for example, Highland is working on one for me right now. That's an account that I brought on in February, and as I was talking to those guys in the initial conversations you know, it's just part of my due diligence. I, I, I actually ask the question almost every time I have a new prospect that I bring on board because I want to know what they're getting into. And, you know, it's really an easy discussion to have if you treat it like it's a normal part of your onboarding process, right? So we're talking about workers' comp and here's what we're going to do about claims and da 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 And then you automatically ask, well, tell me a little bit about what's going on with life. What are you guys doing uh, from a buy-sell agreement standpoint, because they had talked to me. This this co- particular company was growing relatively quickly, and that's the other trigger, right? So the first thing is, if you're not, if you miss it in the onboarding piece, and it's not natural for you to have the conversation after that, the next place you bring it up is when you start seeing how fast the company's growing, and it becomes a natural question of, hey, just out of curiosity, you guys are really clocking it right now. Have you gone back and looked at your buy-sell agreement and made sure? that the insurance that you use to fund that is enough to cover the new valuation of the company. And truthfully, when companies are growing fast, that is something that gets missed all the time. And, you know, you don't want to have the conversation around a morbid subject about people dying or whatever else. So I keep it relatively light most of the time. But the way that I explain it to people is, listen, uh, because the first thing that they come back with is, well, I've got an agreement with my, you know, with my partner and da 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 da. Okay, really? Well, let's take a look at the agreement because a buy sell agreement is not a life insurance policy; it's a legal document, you know, and that's that's what determines how things are going to happen and who's going to purchase the policy, who's the beneficiary of the policy, and, and all of that. But you know, what I always tell them is, if this guy dies or this lady dies. <laughs> do you really want to be business partners with their spouse? Mm-hmm. And 99 times out of a hundred, the answer is no, they don't. And so that's really what you're doing is you're helping the survivor take care of running the business without the 
interruption of having an unwanted business partner, and you're taking care of the financial security of the deceased's family by giving them immediate funding. And, you know, really, when you look at it, it's a no brainer. Every single business out there should have a buy sell. And every single one of our clients, we should be reviewing that or at least talking about it all the time, because that's a major opportunity for us to earn revenue. But more importantly, it's a major opportunity for somebody else to come in and take our account if we haven't brought that up. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's also one of those things. And, and obviously we're talking about life insurance. One of the other key things in there that is usually brought up in a buy sell that's looked over um, that probably should be looked at more is disability. Um, what, what would even be worse is if your, your business partner who you're, you know, blood, sweat and tears building a business becomes disabled and you have a hard conversation about how are you going to pay you when you're not doing anything to support the business anymore, especially in a business that has a lot of um, interactivity between the, uh, the, the partners and owners. Um, and, and I think the thing is, too, with that, it's not so much are we like you said, they've got a document, but how are you going to fund that document? Um, you're either going to be in business with a spouse or you're going to liquidate something so that you can pay off that spouse to keep the business going. And, um, you know, the simplest thing is to just let, let's take a review on it. Let's look at it. Let's see how what stipulates in here and making sure that the risk of somebody dying, we're mitigating that so that the, the company can can move forward in, in a really bad time. And usually it's a pretty simple solution. Um, obviously, term insurance is a great, easy solution for it. Gets that the death benefit done. Then having a conversation further about all the other things that are going on in that co- company may move towards, hey, life insurance is a solution, but there's a different flavor that might be able to take care of some other things here as well. Um, and not sell. For God's sakes, we're not salespeople anymore. We want to advise on what their options are, educate the consumer, and then have them understand what their options are and move forward with with that plan. Yeah, a couple of things. I think number one, you're right. You're dead on the money. You don't have to sell it, right? So just like everything else, if you create the need, if if you show them where there's a need for their business, it's not a matter of whether or not they're going to buy from you at that point. It's a matter of what is the best option for them. And there's two things based on what you just said that I want to that I want to bring up. Number one, and and again, all you PNC agents out there that are allowing your owners to be exempt on workers' comp, especially, you know, it's a major problem, right? Because number one, the statutory best death benefit on workers' comp is not it's peanuts anyhow. But let's just say that you've got a guy out there that swings a hammer. And he's decided he's going to file an exemption to save some coin on his workers' comp, and he falls off a ladder or something like that and ends up being disabled. Guess what? He doesn't have comp coverage. And guess what else? He may or may not have disability coverage, even if he has a disability policy in place. Because if it's an occupational related injury, I mean, you've got some very significant hurdles to overcome. So I want you to address that, Greg, because I think that's a real issue that we have out there. And then the second piece of it is, and, and we can get into this a little further down the road, but when you talk about the different flavor that can meet other needs, there's some pretty good advantages to having whole life in terms of being able to take loans against your policy and, and pull that cash out and, and all of the other things. So if you'll talk a little bit about the disability piece first, why that's important, but more importantly, why, you know, just because you may or may not have workers' comp, that disability may not trigger if you're injured at work. 
And then the second piece is some of the cash advantages that you could have as a business owner if you choose to do whole life as opposed to um, term to fund that. Yeah. You know, I mean, so when you start looking at disability and really you can talk about the key person aspect overall, right? Everyone wants to say people are our assets and, and it's a phenomenal when you start looking at all the management training and all of um, where the industry is going from from helping organizations run better with their people, especially, gosh, now that you can't get face to face with people anymore in half of our industries uh, with COVID going on. Um, you know, people are an asset, but they're also an asset on the balance sheet, right? If you have one of your key people go down, more than likely the business is going to suffer. And God forbid they, they pass away. That's terrible. We need to figure out how to make sure if they if you lose them due to passing away, we can cover that with life insurance, easy peasy, right? Term insurance. But what happens if they get hurt and they're still around and they need help, and but your business is going to suffer as well? There is a lot of options when you start talking about disability to where a, a business can have a disability policy on their customer or on their um, their employee and make sure that the business doesn't suffer because one of their key people goes down uh, due to disability for a long term uh, injury or illness or something along those lines. So we want to make sure you're covered from the revenue, whether it's a salesperson or whether it's an operations person that if you need to retrain, rehire, do something along those lines, um, disability is a huge piece of the puzzle. And it's looked over uh, more often than not. So anytime you're talking about key person planning or buy-sell planning, it's not just life. Bring up disability as well because it's a key component, one that, again, can drag down the revenue of that company if not if not properly insured against. Um, regarding the uh, whole life, universal life, index universal life, let's just call them cash value or permanent policies. Um, Life insurance has a great aspect when you start talking about the cash value inside of those permanent policies. Um, for the most part, if set up and structured correctly, you can have tax-free growth within there, relative liquidity inside these policies. Um, and if, again, structured correctly, um, you don't have to pay taxes on the loans and withdrawals coming out of this. So um, there are a lot of strategies, and these are usually for the right co companies, right we don't want anybody reaching to try and fund a, a life insurance policy. Uh, but if they have some cash and liquidity needs and they have some sitting around, life insurance is a great way to one, cover uh, a life. And then two, have a liquid um, tax favored policy that, um, that you might have as an asset on the books from the company. And so when looking at that, we can assess and a good life insurance agent, whether it's going to be Highland Capital or somebody else that you trust, I think it's important whoever you're working with as, a, as an agency, you trust what they do, both from a solution standpoint and how they handle the customers, um, can look at that and assess whether, you know what, we can assess some of these life insurance needs from a death benefit standpoint, but the company may really benefit from having a permanent policy with some cash value, whether it's for executive benefits, whether it's to have some assets on, uh, on their books in a different manner. There's a lot of different options when you start getting deeper into what life insurance can do for organizations um, inside that cash value conversation. I want you to go back just for a second to the disability piece, because I want to make sure we're driving this home, because I really think, as you said, this is a place that a lot of us overlook. You know, I do realize there are some products out there that will cover uh, injuries that are on the job. But by and large, I don't think that's the case. Correct me if I'm wrong. You know, how do you guys address that? Because I think that there's agents out there right now that are under the impression that, um, well, I don't even know what impression they're under. Honestly, my guess is they just have never really thought about 
the fact they need to have this conversation. But we talk so much about total cost of risk, and we talk about how to control the experience modification factor and the indirect costs of claims that uh, are associated with, with claims that an organization has, but we don't talk about exactly what you brought up. You know, what happens if you have that key employee that's disabled, they need help, but also, you know, the, the company needs protection Mm -hmm. against that person being disabled. And, you know, the example that they always give anytime I hear somebody talk about disability insurance like that is a physician's practice, right? If you've got a doctor's practice and it's surgeons and this guy goes out and gets his hand mangled over the weekend and was a a a neurologist or a neurosurgeon, Mm -hmm. and now all of a sudden they can no longer perform their job. Number one, that guy better hope he has disability on himself. But number two, what does that do to the revenue of the practice because this guy's probably bringing in some serious business based on tenure and reputation. You lose revenue as, as a practice as well. And I think there's two different issues there, both of which we should be talking about. Yeah, so there's a couple things there. Um, and there's a couple specific products out there that handle it. So one, if he's in a partnership, obviously the partner is going to get hurt uh, big time uh, from a revenue standpoint uh, or the remaining partners there uh, and the income coming in. And so that's where that understanding that disability inside the buy sell, we'd want to make sure one, here's a great way to even look at it. If you're going to get a buy sell and you're going to try and look at it yourself instead of reaching out, we do have some services. A lot of life insurance agencies would have some services that could review the actual legal documentation. Um, but if you're looking for that, hey, I want to I want to see something relatively quickly. If disability is not called out actually in the language of the buy sell, that's a great opportunity to have a a conversation about what needs to change. But there's a specific policy that addresses disability needs in a buy sell and only funds to that. Secondarily, there's another policy out there that would take care of overhead expenses for that practice. So let's say his hand's mangled, uh, but he's going to come back to work at some point in time and we're going to get through it. There's a policy that will actually pay overhead expenses. So to keep the staff going and keep everyone else going for one of those sole proprietor or partnerships where you don't want to lay off half the team just because one of the people that left. So there's a couple. It's really good to open up the conversation around what the specific organization's needs are, what they look like, what their operation is. And if they're interested about understanding what that disability, what they can cover, um, there's a lot of different rabbit holes, as, as you can say, that you can go down of coverage because it may just not need. Oh, well, you know, Dr. Smith went down. We're going to need to get that lump sum to, to cover his his cost. There's a lot of facets that can happen from there, as everyone knows on this call that has had customers along those lines. And there's a lot of things that can be covered through specific policies that address those types of issues. I'm interested as to what the main objections you get are when when you're sitting down talking with somebody about something like that. I mean, from a few of the examples that we've just went over here, I mean, it seems like a, a no brainer in a lot of situations. But I would have to imagine that, especially when you're dealing with doctors, um, just in, in my dealings with doctors in, in, in the past, you know, they can sometimes be, I don't know if hard headed is the right word, but they want to kind of be in control of everything. And I would have to imagine they come up with some pretty creative objections for you. Yeah, I think um, when you start talking about a buy sell agreement, it's usually written in stone as, as to what it's going to they need to fund. And then it's just laying out how you fund it and whether they want to or not. Right. It's no different than a lot of other times when you bring them the solutions and you say, well, here are your options or you can self-insure and do nothing. Um, 
And I think it varies by by different organization type, right? So doctors and, and others sometimes, as we all know, when it comes to death and disability, no one gets excited about talking about it and no one thinks it's going to happen to them. And so um, depending on how your customer is, uh, facts and figures are helpful. Uh, sometimes they like stories of where things have gone wrong, but at the end of the day, helping them understand that a maybe minor cost compared to a major issue um, is more important. Um, and so, you know, from a customer standpoint, that's usually the, the it's not going to happen to me or it's it's not something I need to worry about is is the deal. And I think really painting the picture, especially in a partnership type scenario, um, David, you, you put it best. Do you want to be in business with the other person's spouse? I mean, that, that is what will happen. Or do you want to liquidate half of the business in order to get them out of it? That's a that's a pretty telling experience example. And that can paint a picture. Um, from an advisor standpoint or agent standpoint, usually uh, our biggest objection that we get with agents that want to go deeper there is that they don't want to mess up their primary lines of business doing something that they're uncomfortable with. Um, so having these conversations, if they feel like they're not well trained enough or well healed enough to have a conversation, usually it's, well, what if somebody asked me something I don't know? That's the biggest objection. You know, I don't want to not know an answer. Um, if somebody asks me something, I don't want to look stupid. And and um, those are the, that's the biggest challenge we have with getting advisors across the hump that says it's it's okay to ask a question and not know the answer to. Um, it's that's most people. If you come in with solutions before you know the answers to your questions, you're trying to sell something rather than help them anyway. And uh, that's the biggest objection we get. Part of the problem with guys like me is we want to be in control of everything and we don't focus enough about building out a network, right? So I'm not saying me particularly because as I've gotten older, I've actually gotten much, much better about just saying, okay, here, just take this and run with it. It's not in my wheelhouse. And so again, sort of to uh, build out my answer to Kyle's question earlier, one of the things I always ask is, you know, it goes into knowing your client too, right? You, you need to understand who they're working with. So I want to know who their financial planner is. I want to know who their attorney is. I want to know who their accountant is. Then I start asking questions about other vendors, who you get your payroll from, who do you get your credit card processing from, all the office supplies, IT services, all of these things for a couple of reasons, one of which is I want to network with the other sales professionals that they're buying from, because if they're in one of my accounts, there's a high likelihood they're in other accounts of the same size and shape, which makes them my new best friend. But, you know, in addition to that, it's just like how, um, you know, you guys introduced me to Chris Stennett at Saltmarsh, Cleveland and Gunn. Anybody who has any issues at all with a financial planning or has a non-existent financial planner, I'm not going to get in the middle of all that. A, mm. I'm not licensed for it. And B, I have an excellent resource for it. So I just pick up the phone and call Stennett and say, look, I need you to get in touch with these people, figure out what's going on. Here's where we're at. This is what I know. But I only ask enough questions to know that I need to pull in a hired gun to, to help in that situation. And you know, the thing I like about Chris specifically is that his firm doesn't sell the products, mm. right? Like he's literally going in and as a money manager, as a financial planner to handle these people's livelihoods and their assets. And so it makes it a much more comfortable handoff for me because Chris is completely benign to 
favoritism of any product or anything else. You know, he's there to give the financial advice, and then we figure out what the mechanism is that we need to use to administer the plan he lays out. Right. Right. And I think having a network is huge, right? And everybody talks about a network because then you can share leads and, and you know, expand your reach. And that, I think that's, while it's important, and um, I think going deeper and working with a group of people that all trust each other uh, and that all you can trust that the, have the client's interest in mind is huge. Um, because as I look at what uh, we do at Highland, we are, uh, to use, I don't know if you remember that old movie, Swingers, the guys behind the guy, right? And we like being guys behind the guys. Um, for those um, men and women out there that have the direct relationship with the customer, we want to make you the superstar, right? But you don't need to know everything to be the superstar. And so that goes into having a network that you trust. And we like being in that network and we like expanding that network. Um, because if everybody gets on the same page, on how to best solve a customer's needs. And that customer is going to feel really, really good about the service that they've got. And that doesn't need to mean that everything that that, that customer is calling a one-stop shop, they're calling somebody that they trust. And that person that they're going to trust is going to put them in contact with people that are going to be giving them the same type of service they're expecting getting from you. That's a huge deal. That's not found everywhere anymore. And that's a, that's a big deal for customers. No, agreed. And that's why I think most agents are very, very calculated in who they associate themselves with because they don't want to put those relationships at risk. I view it more as I'm a quarterback in the relationship mm-hmm. at that point. There's a certain amount of things I can control and everything else I'm either handing off or, you know, I'm going along with it. But, um, you know, I think the other thing too is in what's one of the one of the things that I have brought up in the past when I have these conversations is that, you know, a lot of financial planning companies out there are beholden to their own products and they're not always the best thing for the situation either, right? Right. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name names, but I mean people can get creative and, and connect the dots. How can you be using a captive company when there's all of this competition in the free market out there and ultimately get the best results? I don't know. Maybe you can. Maybe I'm completely missing something, but I just don't think as an independent agent I can think that way. Like it would be very difficult for me to say, oh, come work with my firm because we're a trusted choice independent agency and we can go to a variety of companies to find the products that best suit your needs. And then say, oh, and by the way, here's my buddy from XYZ and he's going to do financial planning for you, but you can only buy products that his company owns. You know, it's a, it's kind of a weird, weird dynamic there. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I would be wary of anybody that's not going to look outside. Um, and so we do have relationships with some organizations and some agents that, while maybe a agent of an XYZ only, um, they still bring the market to bear in other ways. And I think um, there are some phenomenal individuals in there that, that in those types of organizations that do bring real solutions, do bring um, a very good understanding of not product, but process and how what needs to be done. And um, certainly would not fault anyone working for anyone or buying from anyone like that. At the same time, you want to make sure they're bringing the market to bear because that is the beauty of brokerage, right? Like, let's make sure that even if you're bringing, maybe you've got a mainstay product, you need to have the, oh, by the way, conversation. You have other options and and educate. Um, Because if you're not educating the customers, they're going to turn around online and Google it and you know, we all know in the financial services industry, at least, um, we 
believe in and do annuities a lot of the time. It's great for some people, not great for others. But I can tell you, if you Google annuities, it does, you get a lot of bad stuff, right? And um, Google is not the, the most helpful thing for good objective research, but customers do it. So make sure you understand, really work around the value. And anyone that's bringing a sole product and not the market is not really truly bringing value to your customer solutions. Yeah, I agree with that. Now, I know you have spent a good chunk of your career and based on your title now, did your job change since we first met? Are you still doing the same thing that you've always done? Because I do remember you were basically flying around the country, cultivating new uh, PNC agency relationships. And it sounds like you've maybe migrated to a little bit different role now. Is is that accurate? Yeah. So um, I'm still doing that. Um, and I, oh, they just uh, added responsibility then. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, it, it, that's why um, I don't have any hair left on the top of my head. So, <laughs> there you go. Um, uh, let's just say my days aren't boring. But yeah, so I, I, I kind of do a, a couple of things. So I still am very engaged. Um, I have the uh, luck of our organization really having local presence in a lot of the big markets from what we call our, our VPs. And they are essentially um, high caliber local point of sale resources slash wholesale resources. Um, so my, my job in regards to opening up new relationships uh, is made easier by having a net of very qualified individuals that can go out there and spread the story. So um, I open up relationships. I, I help uh, cater our story. And I also um, build a lot of tools behind the scenes for this type of, of distribution, as well as other digital tools. And so uh, if you look at a Venn diagram of what I do, I, I kind of sit from a, a, our multi-line strategy as well as uh, our digital strategy. And there's a pretty big overlap when you start looking at um, a well-diversified, whether it's property casualty or, or, or benefits organization, on the tools, while we have been a very, very good organization at, let's call it killing elephants, we've got um, extremely well um, knowledgeable and experienced individuals in the field at delivering insurance solutions, whether it's for estate planning, big big business planning, Coley, et cetera. Um, but those individuals are not the best suited to go out and make sure that um, Johnny and Jenny Smith, who just bought their first home for 250000 have enough coverage on their personal um, coverage to take care of that mortgage and make sure that those two kids that they just had um, are taken care of. And so on the digital side, we bring a lot of solutions to make sure that we can kind of go down market to the masses, uh, but still have the same services on, on Highland. And so that's really why I've got a, an expanded role because they kind of uh, work towards the uh, benefit of each other. Nice. Talk to us a little bit about Easy Life and how um, you know agencies have been able to use that to generate leads. Yeah, so good question. So um, what we have at Highland is, is something we call Easy Life. Easy Life is, is, is two things. One, it's a um, electronic application system. So as an advisor, if you all have done life insurance before, you know the just wonderful experience that is printing out a 60 to 70 page application um, and then going through that with paper. Um, that's not fun. So we've gone and simplified that through a lot of different carriers. There's a way to just submit it very, very quickly and easily um, electronically with just a couple pages uh, or do a full e-application, still not printing and driving across town. So um, that's one aspect of Easy Life that we provide. The second is a client-facing tool, and I'll call it client-facing because Highland Capital is not a consumer direct. With our technology, we, uh, as I mentioned, we aim to make you all rock stars. 
And so what we do is provide a brandable digital interface between yourself and the customers to allow customers to learn more about life insurance, actually get quotes, go through a health rater, and so that you can have a digital storefront for life insurance for your customers to go in and learn more. As we mentioned, people are going to go research online and try and find out what pricing is or something along those lines. Um, my assumption is the marketing budget for life insurance on a lot of property casualty organizations is next to nothing um, for good reason, because usually um, the revenue is is kind of catch it as it comes. And so we want to enable not just from a, when somebody picks up the phone and calls, do you have an answer? We want to help that phone ring a little bit more. And so we want to give you marketing tools and a digital interface with your branding on it so that that phone rings a little bit more about life insurance. Yeah, I can tell you, you guys do a really, really good job with that. Um, the the Florida Risk, obviously, we're engaged with you guys. And the quality of the materials that were sent over when we first engaged with you and the volume of materials <laughs> that were branded that were sent over literally makes it very, very easy. Whether you're going to do you know, social media marketing and use that the graphics and things for that, direct mail, whatever. Um, you know, it's, it's really awesome. And we have, if anybody were to go to the Florida risk partners website right now, we have the easy life widget on our website. If you want to quote, boom, you go through, you answer a few questions. And the next thing you know, you got Dawn on you like white on rice. (laughs) And, And I will be honest with you, man, that's really the best benefit of working with you guys is because Guys like me and Kyle, me more than Kyle, because Kyle's pretty anal about his stuff and keeping everything in order. I'm a wild man, dude. I'm all over the place. Anybody who knows me knows I've got 15 things going on at one time. So I can go in and identify that my client has the need for something. It's much better for me to say, hey, let me introduce you to Dawn. Mm -hmm. Dawn's going to be all over this for you, and she's going to stay on you till you get everything done. And she's going to stay on me to make sure that I get my part of everything done for you as well. And so, you know, I think that's a huge benefit to PNC agents. You know, it's, it's not intrusive, right? That's the whole thing. This is, this is not an intrusive relationship. It's not something where, you know, people are going to require a ton of your time. Now, if Dawn hasn't heard from me a little, in a little while, I'm going to hear from Dawn that she hasn't heard from me in a little while. Yeah. Dawn does not play. No, but I, I welcome that, right? Yeah. I, I really think that that's a, you know, th- that's a great resource for us to have. And I mean, I know that you said the statistic when you first introduced us to her on the very first video conference we had, but remind me what that statistic is about how much revenue Dawn personally has been able to generate for agencies over the course of whatever. It was some astronomical. Um, oh, shoot. Yeah. Standard. you. I'd have to and look I, back. Um, and that and that's tough because, you know, what we really want to do, we, we've got, and, and um, for those of you that haven't been able to meet with her, uh, Don Buckley is an actual producer, an ex-producer that was in the field doing what life insurance people do best for a property casualty organization. And then um, we were lucky enough to have this individual come and be a part of our team. Um, and she does a lot of things virtually. Um, and she works in conjunction both with property casualty agencies that either are working with our, our local field support or uh, or without. And so we actually have a combination of both a massive amount of, um, of resources at her disposal as well to whether she can quarterback, not just with your team, 
but with the team internally at Highland and our externals. And so on any given day, we've got anywhere between two and $300,000 a week in target premium that are flowing through what she's doing. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's in the millions a year that we are doing with property casualty agencies um, across the country, just in, in, in her world, not to mention the rest of Highland. I mean, we're all of Highland. We do on average about 10 to 15 million of, of new premium through life insurance through property casualty only a year. Um, and that's, that can grow. Um, it, it, it's really about making sure that we're working with the right people too. Um, and that's not a lot of, you can imagine there's a lot of big hits in there, not just transactional business. Well, and you know, the thing is, I'm going to be completely transparent with you, man. I really don't care about the money. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I really don't. And it's not, it's not that I don't like having it because I I do like money. Money is a nice thing to have. And I, I would prefer to have lots of it, but you know, at the end of the day, it's about meeting a need for your client with the best available resource. And my biggest, one of my biggest rubs with our industry is how short-sighted and cheap agents can be, right? Because they just, they want to control the whole thing or, you know, if they're not cheap, they're overly protective of their relationships. And I mean, that you're not going to have trust immediately. You're, yeah. you're never just going to have trust. Now, for Highland, it makes it easier for me to bring Greg on to the podcast and say, look, guys, I work with this guy personally. His firm is fantastic. Dawn is money in the bank. She's probably going to work at a collection agency when she retires. <laughs> but, I, I'm waiting for the masked phone call on my cell phone that says unknown, and I pick it up. It's like, where's my life at? <laughs> Obviously, I'm just kidding. She's extremely professional, very thorough, and love her to death and really need to do more with her. But, you know, I, I would just encourage agents out there to realize that, you know, you can't be all things to all people, right? Don't go get your life license just because you don't want to split commissions with somebody. All you're doing is maybe getting an extra percentage of commissions, but putting your whole relationship mm-hmm. at risk. Because you may or may not know what it is you're doing. So what if you really won in that situation? You haven't yep. at all, you know? And I think that, um, you know, that that's, that's really something. And obviously I'm just, I'm just telling you my perception. What, what do you think? And I think that, that um, Kyle asked you a little bit about obstacles, but that wasn't as much about working with agencies as it was individual insurance. What are the biggest obstacles that you have come into trying to engage with uh, firms like us. And then I know Kyle has a question that he wants to talk to you a little bit about um, some of the stuff that you had sent over last week when, when you shot me the email. Yeah. So um, that's a, that's a good question. I think, and this is probably telling to your experience walking out of the test, getting your license. The biggest obstacle we have is past experiences with life insurance people. Um, in that a lot of times, our industry has had some people that come in and out of the industry that may or may not know what they're doing and they've soured the waters. Um, and, and I think for us, we understand your primary, when, when everybody wakes up, that's listening to this podcast, 
They don't think I cannot wait to go sell 10 life insurance case policies today. I'm going to get after some life insurance. <laughs> Dude, you about lost me. Yeah, you about lost me when you said you were calling like two hundred for 200 minutes or whatever that was. Yeah, that just so blows gross. my mind. Yeah, that blows my mind that it's to that finite level of detail that it, it, but it, I mean, again, that's how it's always been done. Yeah. We talk about that all the time in property and casualty about working smart versus working hard. But there's a certain subset of agencies out there that always are going to go back to that. I've got to make a hundred calls a day sure. or whatever it is because they understand the law of numbers. Yep. That doesn't mean that's the best way to do it. No. And that's the thing. And, and so for us, we understand that uh, especially successful um, agencies, they have done something else to be successful and they're still want to spend a lot of time doing that something else. And so I think the methodology with Highland is let's give you some digital presence. Let's give you some marketing. Let's give you a team that when you, I got a guy, you can fire off to somebody, make sure that you trust so that you can focus on your primary and maybe even secondary role each and every day. And life insurance can, while stay on the back burner to a certain extent of your activities, you trust that it only takes a little bit of effort to get a lot of reward by working with a partnership. And I think having that conversation with an agency and understanding how they do business and not coming in there and saying the classic, do you realize how much opportunity you're leaving on the table? Yeah, they realize how much opportunity they're leaving on the table and they're doing it for good reason, right? Understanding those reasons why there may not be a big life push inside the agency and then making sure that you solve those concerns rather than just brush them under the rug is a big deal. And I think that's, um, that's, that's the overriding aspect. I think 10 years ago, this analogy made sense. Maybe right now when gas is like a hundred or a dollar 80 a gallon, it doesn't make as much sense. But I look at property casualty agencies as a well-heeled, massively producing farm that has got a phenomenal engine working and they know how the system works. And you've got some oil underneath the farm. Are you going to kill potentially the farm to get after that oil? Most likely not. So if you look at it as just revenue, it doesn't make sense. If you look at it as how are we going to make sure that we are going to take care of the customer's overall needs, life insurance may play into that. I need to find someone I trust to do that. That's the that's the difference. And I think if life insurance agents and agencies and work with property casualty agencies to understand each other's needs and cater to the customer the right way, we'd have a lot less reactions to the fact that most PNC agencies are reluctant to add it because of the the complexity and they're not ownership of the process. That just comes with a lack of trust from uh, somebody that they would have doing it outside of their organization. Yeah. And I think what I heard you say early on in that um, statement is this, ladies and gentlemen, if you have a guy behind the guy, you're not making yourself look weaker. Mm -hmm. You're only strengthening your position with your client. So don't I would much rather try to do that versus try to claim to be an expert at everything. It's first of all, it'd be exhausting. Yeah. And second of all, you're bound to slip up. And I think like we've, you know, alluded to a few times, that's, that's why agents are afraid to, you know, really go after it. But I think it makes sense. Um, Your primary, what you do every day when you wake up thinking what you're going to do starts to suffer because you're trying to chase something else. mm -hmm. And that's, yep. That sometimes doesn't make very good operational sense. Right. David hinted at it a little bit earlier, but talk to us a little bit about the uh, updates you sent over last week. Yeah. So we've got a, um, we've actually got a new, that digital uh, tool, Easy Life. We've got a new one coming out that's much more educational. um, One that will actually allow for multiple agents 
inside of an organization, not just like a house account to be able to have it. And the goal being not to, um, as you might think, digital term, you know, nobody gets super excited if, from a revenue standpoint and a business model standpoint to sell a two or $300 a year term policy. Um, really, it's more about a passive visual aspect and reminder to your customers that you do life insurance. And so Highland has support systems that can help make sure that those transactional uh, opportunities don't bury you in, in opportunities that are not cost effective for you to work on. Um, but at the same time, ha making sure that you're visible. If, if nobody knows you do life insurance, they're not going to ask about it. Right. And so um, some of these tools will enable just the fact that, yeah, you as an organization or your salespeople might be able to get out. Yeah, we do life insurance. Give us a call. Ask us about it or look at this this website. And so all of it is around passive visibility. Um, and it could obviously be a little bit more proactive based on how the agency wants to utilize it. But we want to give as much tools to get visible and branded to your brand. I, I don't care if anybody doesn't know who Highland Capital is. I want to help promote the people that we work with and make them better for their customers. And so that's some of the tools that we're building and coming out with. And that'll be out in short order. I'll tell you, the thing that I like about digital more than anything else is the analytics that you get from it. So from my perspective, everything, you know, it's it's well known for the people who listen to our show that my agency uses HubSpot as our CRM. And we can get a ton of data on anybody and everybody once they begin interacting with the content that we have. You know, one of, so number one, you can see which campaigns are working and replicate those and then which ones aren't and then modify them or kill them all together so that you're constantly refining your method of distribution of information to your prospects. That's a big deal, right? You know, it's a whole lot easier for me to give everybody a challenge and then them know that it's digitally getting measured as to whether or not they're executing, especially if there's unique links to each of the mm -hmm. individual producers portals then I know who's talking about it and who's not. It's a lot easier than saying, oh, by the way, every time somebody calls in, make sure you ask them about life because that's how agents approach it right now, right? right. Like the, right. that's that's the strategy. Anytime somebody comes in, make sure you ask them about life life insurance. Anytime somebody calls, make sure you ask them about life insurance. You, you don't have to do it that way. You can find out who's interested and who's not just through the monitoring of the analytics digitally. And I think that that's a that's something I'm definitely looking forward to. Yeah. And we've actually, um, we've got for personal lines, um, we've actually got something that we call crossing, which is an outbound digital marketing that actually will thank them for doing business. Obviously you guys are, um, are, are down this path already on your own, but it'll thank them for doing business with their, with your personal lines purchases. It'll actually show them what they purchased in their personal lines. And it'll say, you know, it has an, Oh, by the way, did you know about life insurance? And then it can send them directly to the website as well. So um, yeah, we've got a lot of tools that help in that. I think that you're exactly right. The analytics on it, not just from a, how's this campaign going, but in general, knowing how well you connect with your customers digitally overall is a big deal. And if you're not doing any of that yet, somebody is going to, to your customer and they're gonna take, it, take advantage of it. So I think being digital, being aware and being connected and the data there and understanding how to read it is huge. Agreed. So here's the million dollar question for everybody out there right now, Greg. How do they get a hold of you or somebody on your team if they want to employ some of the strategies that we talked about today? Sure. So uh, to learn more, 
Um, you can go to highlandbrokerage.com and, um, or if you want to speak to me directly, uh, gzahn, that's Z-A-H-N, G-Z-A-H-N at highland.com. Um, that's my uh, direct email. And then uh, I'll give you my cell phone, 813-957-5995. I forwarded it, my office phone to my cell phone about three months ago when COVID shut everything down. So I might as well just cell phones out there. I'm also on LinkedIn. However you want to connect, would love to have a conversation around uh, experiences, uh, how to do business uh, together, or just general understanding what you're looking at in this uh, this overall marketplace. Um, very interested in hearing how life insurance is going to those that you know traditionally are trying to figure out how to help their business owners right now through one of the weirdest times in America. So, um, you know, just general understanding, general chat. Would love to connect with you all. For those of you that are agents out there, I cannot stress this enough. Everybody is going to be shopping, period. Do not allow your competition to get a foothold on your book of business because you didn't ask the right questions. You've heard us say it two or three times. This is often looked over. Disability is often looked over. There are very very basic questions. And the one thing that you can do in a non-offensive way right now coming out of this, I'm going to say one more time, pay attention to what I'm saying. If you don't have a pen out to write out, write down what I'm going to tell you, you are, you're part of the problem. Every single person out there should be talking to their business owners right now and say, thank God we're out of COVID. But had it happened, Had it come in and affected your business, what mechanisms do you have in place to protect the partnership going forward if, God forbid, something happened to one of you? Very, very natural conversation. You should be dialing every one of your clients or sending out an email with some educational information on it right now because if you are not having that conversation, somebody else will. With that, I'm going to wrap up. Greg, man, it's been awesome having you on here. We definitely need to either see each other on the golf course or over one of those Wagyu burgers. It's Stein and Vine I'm over in. here by the office, man. They had my they had my all time Gandolfini. Favorite. They had the Gandolfini last week, which is one of their signature burgers. But I can never time it right. They take this burger and they stuff it with provolone. <laughs> And then they put um, prosciutto and capicola on top of it with mozzarella and some marinara sauce. And that's how they serve the burger. That's on their lighter fare menu, right? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. It's insane, man. Appetizer. W- yeah, it's it's absolutely insane. But, you know, we, we do. We need to hook up soon. And, you know, I just want to let you guys know how much I appreciate you. Hopefully, everybody that's been listening to this has taken something away from it. The one thing I really want you to take away from it, if you're a PNC agent, is you're not a life agent, so use one, okay? With that, we're going to wrap up. Greg, man, really, our pleasure having you on today. I appreciate the conversation. It was awesome. Great being here. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Greg. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com.